0: You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. So yeah, my name is Natalie. Keith and I are the campus pastors over in Lubbock and he's holding down the fort there in Lubbock and um, I'm up next. I was next at bat, so this is is what you got. But before we get started today, I shared in the first service, and I I wanna share it again. Um, I'm gonna try to communicate it a little bit better. I got a vision in pre-service meeting of, like, running a relay. And if you've ever been on a track team or seen a relay, they're taking off, you know, the first leg he takes off, getting ready to hand off to the next person, and there's this little zone, it's called an exchange zone. And at that point in time, both runners are running. And I felt like the Lord said, this is what is coming out of Midland in the realm of mothers and daughters who are raising up sons and daughters who will then become mothers and fathers. Because the mantle that is on this place, and it starts from Brandon Lee and our senior pastors, on into Cody, your campus pastor here, and even Keith there in Midland. There's a mandate on this church, I believe, to do family well to establish legacy well. And I feel like in Midland in particular, because you guys are a little further along than our Lubbock church, but in Midland in particular, you guys are gonna, you're like the quenching in the desert. And what you're carrying here is something that your city really needs and it's something that the world really needs. And it's gonna take you and it's gonna take your kids because there's gonna come a time When you're going to run alongside your kids in that exchange zone. And then you're going to pass the baton off to them. And if your prayer is anything like mine and Keith's, our prayer is that our ceiling will become our children's floor. So if that's a prayer that you have in your heart, I need you to know that you're in the right place. Okay? You are being fed the word of God. You are experiencing him at levels you've never seen before. And you're going to run this race well. All right. Back at it. So we moved here, Keith and I actually moved here to Midland in 2018. And we came alongside Braden and Leanne. We've known them for a really long time. Leanne actually sang at our wedding 15 years ago. Um, so we, we love them, we adore them, and we were excited to come alongside them in ministry. Um, and then Braden offered me a job, which was really crazy because I was just a teacher and a coach, you know. I came down to Midland to help the school system, but God had other plans. Um, So, we came alongside them, came on staff, and then in 2020, the Lord said, "Um, why don't you go on down to Lubbock? And I said, Lord, but we haven't even finished this building yet. It was almost completed. The Lord said, move to Lubbock, and y'all know what happened in 2020, right? That thing, you know, that COVID thing was happening, but the Lord didn't care, and He told us to move, so, so we did. We took a step of faith, and... And we did it and um, it's been the best thing. It's been really good. Your family in Lubbock thanks you. They love you. They see you. Um, we talk about you guys all the time. But before we get started, um, I want to just take a second to tell you a little disclaimer. I'm probably not going to wow you with a new end time eschatology. I'm probably not going to give you some deep deep divine revelation found in the Word of God. And, I'm, and I've got one catchy one-liner in there and it's not even mine. But what I do have is a passion. I have a passion to bring the good news. And I feel like I'm on assignment today, like I have a mission today to bring you the good news. Because there's a call on your life And I believe that the Lord is setting in place. He's strategically setting the people of God in place to lead. All right. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for these people. Um, I thank you that hearts are stirred and ready and that we are primed to hear the word of God and go out and do what you've called us to do. And Lord, I just ask that you speak through me, that you would use me today today to be a witness, an example, a cheerleader for your people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I believe that we are in a very unique season as believers. Like I said earlier, I think the Lord is setting people in place to lead. And you can see this in the natural, and a lot of times what you see in the natural, it'll be happening in the spiritual as well. And despite what the media keeps throwing at us, I'm actually very excited about where we are as a country. Let me tell you this. Let me remind you of this. We witnessed one of the greatest miracles our nation has ever seen. We witnessed the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Yes. Can we just celebrate that one more time? Because guys, the hand of God was on that decision. Don't make it so, so political. The hand of God was on that decision. He will use the politics to divide us, but we're not gonna fall for it. We're not gonna fall for it. But what God did with those Supreme Court justices is exactly what He's doing with us. He's setting us in positions. He's setting us in roles. He's setting us in places to lead. So I wanna ask you today, What does it look like for you to lead? What does it look like to lead where you're at in the role that you're in with the gifts that you have? So for me, a few years ago, um, my life was set on path to become a principal. I was a teacher and a coach at a high school in Amarillo. And I felt the Lord stirring me up like, you've got to lead, you've got to lead. And so, of course, I thought that meant become a principal. So I did it. I got my master's, I became a principal, not really, I got the certificate, but right before I started applying for jobs is when the Lord said, move to Midland. So here we are in Midland, and I'm in ministry, and I feel the Lord saying, you're called to lead, you're called to lead, and I said, Lord, you we talked about principle, not preaching. (laughs) We talked about like podium, not a pulpit. Like this is very different for me because to be quite honest, I didn't really know how I felt about women in ministry in general. See, I was raised Church of Christ, so I know this Bible very well, or not as well as I should, but I do know what it says about women in here. And I was very, very conflicted on what that would mean because in ministry, you speak. And as a woman in ministry, that would mean I would have to speak. So I kept asking God. I kept asking him, Father, should I do this? Could I do this? Am I qualified to do this? I cried, I pouted, all the things. I battled my thoughts, my insecurities. I remember one night in particular, I'm complaining to Keith and he just rolls over and he was like, Natalie, You're doing it, like you're doing this. You are preaching, like you're doing it. And so I was, I I submitted to my husband and I did it. Um, Because the first time I was asked to preach, I just trusted Braden, my boss, you know, my spiritual authority and he asked me to preach and my husband confirmed it. And so me being the submissive wife, I did it. And so the first time I preached, I just told the Lord like, listen, If I get this all wrong, if I get this all wrong, it's on them, right? Because, you know, I'm just doing what they say. If I get it wrong, it's on them. But this time was different. And I was desperate to hear for God myself. And so one day on a whim, I looked up Lisa Bevere. You know, girls with swords, lioness arising, like she's got it going on. So I just looked her up, scrolled to the bottom of her website. I don't even know why. I just clicked on it and scrolled. And when I did, the words, the great commission is your permission. The great commission is your permission. And it's like when I read that, it was like it came straight from the lips of a good father to the ears of a desperate daughter. And I knew, I knew that that was my sign from the Lord. And I want to read this to you. It's Matthew 28, verse 19 the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, this was given to all Christians. It was a command. It's our call to leave. So regardless of gender, we're called to preach this word right so i want to ask you today what is it that you had to get over what is it that you have to get over in order to lead the way god has called you to lead if you have questions if you have doubts if you have insecurities i encourage you to seek the lord <laughs> it's funny you know i got that cool word the great commission is your permission and yeah i'm like ready to preach and I preached a couple of months ago in Lubbock and felt good. And I was like, yeah, I got mine. One message over for the year, because that's about all I can handle. And then two weeks ago, Braden was like, you can preach on the 18th, right? High five. And I was like, mm, really? And immediately the enemy comes in and he does what he always does. Because the enemy is not just like this slab bad boy. no. He is an enemy who hates you. He wants to steal from you, he wants to kill you, he wants to destroy you. And he will use the same tactics that he's used in the past because he's not creative at all. And he'll use the same thing that he used in the past to come at you again. So what does he do? He comes at me again. And he asked me again, are you sure about that? Remember when you preached last time and you said freaking in your message like twice? like?" Are you sure you're qualified to do this? You're still a woman. Like, are you sure you can do this? But this time, I'd been through that war before and I took that thought captive. And when you take something captive, you're not nice to it, right? So I took that thought and I cast it down at my feet and I declared no way, no how, not this time. I don't have the time to waste. We are not going round and round. And as soon as that happened, I felt Jesus just right here. And he said, that's right. He said, Natalie, who was the first person I came to to spread the good news? Who was the first person I talked to when I came back after Jesus' resurrection? You know who he came to? A woman. He came to Mary. And that was just my little, the little nugget that I needed like, okay, I can do this, right? So again and again, he will qualify us to do the thing he's called us to do. So I wanna ask you, what do you have to get over in order to lead? You've been called to lead. So what is it that you have to get over? Is it age? Do you feel like your boat has sailed? Because I will remind you of a man named Noah. He was 600. He was 600 when he led his family onto the ark. And I also read that theologians believe it took him almost a 100 years to build the boat. So it's not too late to start building either. Do you think you're too young? Like... If you're in here today and you're young, and you're like, well, when I get into high school, then I'll like lead a Bible study, or when I get into college, I'll start that thing, or when I get married, or when I get my kids out of diapers, when I get my kids out of the house. If you feel like you're too young, I wanna remind you of a boy, eight years old, Josiah. (laughs) Josiah, that eight-year-old was crowned king, and he became one of the greatest leaders Jerusalem has ever seen. Or maybe race is an issue it's a real thing especially now right but I'm also reminded of a man named Moses he was born of a slave and God called him God chose him to lead his people out of Egypt or do you feel like since you're a woman you should keep quiet sometimes we should Sometimes we should, what's that verse? A nagging wife is like a constant dripping, right? Sometimes we should keep our mouth shut. But thank God Esther didn't, right? Because when she opened her mouth and exposed Haman, she led the charge to save thousands of her fellow Jews from execution. Thank God for Esther. See, when we know his word, when we know this word and we submit to his ways, He will qualify us. So despite your age, your race, your gender, your background, whatever it is, remember that guy named Paul? He used to be Saul. He was a pretty bad dude and God picked him too. So regardless of all those things, you can lead because God has chosen you. I love what Paul says in Ephesians 4. He's speaking to the church in Ephesus. And he says, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling because you have been called by God. Lead a life worthy of your calling. These words were meant for me and you. And so today, I just really want to give you some insight as to how you can lead, you specifically, how God has designed you to lead. And I have three ways. I'm not gonna give you seven highly effective habits or, you know, remember, I had that one catchy one-liner and I've already used it. But i want to give you some tools, okay? Because I think we need some tools. And we're mature believers, right? We can do this. The first one is that you have to know your spiritual gift. You have to know it. You know, you won't, you won't earn this spiritual gift. We're not good enough to earn it, right? but we're also not bad enough to have it taken away and we don't have to wait for it. Remember, he will not take these things away. Romans 11:29 says, the gifts of the Lord are without repentance. So once he gives you this gift, it's yours, it's forever. And every single one of you have one. We call them redemptive gifts. They're like God's DNA on the inside of you. They help explain you to you why you are the way that you are. Enneagram is a knockoff for this. So Romans 12:6 it says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If one's gift is prophecy, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is giving, let him give generously. If it is leading, let him lead with diligence. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. You need to understand that you have one of these seven gifts. Can we all serve? Yes, and we should. And I gave Stacy a plug in the first service. We should serve in the kids' ministry, right? We should all serve, right? But for some of us, it lights us up to serve. It does something for us when we can cook a good meal. I brought my mom with me today. It lights her up when we come home. She's in the kitchen all day long and she is cooking up like the most incredible like cinnamon rolls for breakfast. And then she's making something that she just invented for lunch. And then for dinner, we do it all over again. But it lights her up to serve. Because it's more, when you operate, this is what you need to understand. When you operate with your spiritual gift, you're doing more than just filling your tank, you're satisfying your spirit. Because you are a spirit and when you use the gift that God gave the real you, it's incredible. You know, knowing your gift helps you lead in a way that you are graced to lead. So if your gift is encouragement, your leadership style should look a lot like encouragement. Because what you're able to do, you're able to see the gold on the inside of people. And it's almost like a prophetic word when you speak because it resonates with them too. And you're able to see that gold. You're able to call it out. And you're able to lead through that gift that God has given you. So your homework for the week is to read Romans 12. Dive into that thing and figure out what God has gifted you to do. I think it will help you so much. And the second way I think you'll discover how God has created you to lead is to know your role. So, I don't know how many of you know this, but my background is in basketball. This is actually how Keith and I met in college and next time you see him, you need to remind him that when we first started dating, I'm a year older, so when we first started dating, he was known as Natalie's boyfriend and not the other way around. Don't, don't let the quarterback fool you. But anyway, in the sports world, this term dealing with know your role, the term is know your role and shut your hole. And I know, it's really aggressive and it would sound better if I had like a bun and tennis shoes and we were like, you know, in the parking lot about to play a pickup game. But it's very true in the kingdom too. Because in basketball, you have to know your role and you can't complain about it because it's about the team. It's not about what you do, it's about how the team does. And so in basketball, you either have to humble yourself to set the screen, or you got to get your confidence up to hit the shot. All right? And it works the same way in the kingdom. You know the one body, many parts, 1 Corinthians 12? When everybody knows their role and they can come together to do their part, the body of Christ is healthy and thriving. we have to be able to lead effectively in the role that we're in. I'm gonna tell you a little bit about my role, just for a minute. So right now my role is wife and mom, and it's not always super glamorous, right? I have an 11-year-old, a six-year-old, and a two-year-old. And just to give you a snapshot of what my day looks like when I get home from work, I walk in the house, And my 11 year old is already tripping my six year old. My six year old is starting to make a peanut butter sandwich and he gets tripped and he's falling on the ground. And my oldest, after he trips him, he's asking to go play with the neighbors. And then my six year old has peanut butter all over his face, the doorknob and the cat. And he's running his mouth at his big brother because he's not big enough to do anything about it. Meanwhile, my two year old is clinging to my leg whining, I want some milk, I need some. And in less than five seconds, This is what your girl does. I get up, I'm like, Jackson, push-up position now. Don't move. Stratton, you get out there and clean the litter box. Kate, bring me the spanking spoon because you know we don't whine in this house. And this is the role that I'm in right now. And this role that I'm in, it's not going to add to my tens of tens of Instagram followers, right? You got that, right? The tens of tens. I thought it was funny. Oh, yeah, I know. That was my drum, right? It's not always glamorous in this role, but it's the one that I'm in. And I've got to step up and I've got to lead well while I'm in it. It can be a little chaotic, but I will go to war for peace. This is the season that I'm in. I'm in training season with my kids. And I know what this word says about training season. It says if I train up a child in the way they should go, when they grow old, they will not depart from it. So I'm gonna take advantage of my season of training because I won't get it back. And more than I care about the peanut butter all over the kitchen, I need my six year old to grow up to be a man, to lead his own home, to follow the Lord with wild abandon. So that's the role that I'm in right now. I'm training up my boys to become men who will stand for justice and righteousness. Because you know those two things, that's the foundation of the throne room of heaven. That's God's throne built on the foundation of justice and righteousness. So I may take this to a ditch a little bit because I know there's such an attack on masculinity right now. But it's not coming to my house. Because I'm in training mode, boys and girls. And my men are going to become men. (laughs) And then I have a two-year-old princess. (laughs) But I'll tell you what, this two-year-old is getting fed and your kids are getting it too. If they're in this church, she's been telling me all week about Gideon and the Knights. The Knights. I think it's kind of cute. <laughs> but she tells me all about Gideon and how he was afraid of the big Knights and the Minionites. And they stole his sheep and his favorite toy and they stole his food. And I was like, well, what did Gideon do? And she was like, he prayed. And I was like, oh, did God you know, did God come alongside Gideon and help him defeat the Midianites? And she's like, no, it was the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) And we laugh and we think it's super cute. And I'm gonna write it in her baby book if I remember. But the point is like the word of God is being taught to my two-year-old daughter. And she tells me this story every night and it gets a little old, but it's the word of God coming out of her mouth. It's Bible stories, it's Gideon, she can, she can relate because she, know what it, she knows what it feels like to get your favorite toy taken away. So she relates to Gideon, she relates to being afraid, but then she can stand firm and she knows who to go to and he will help her every time. And so now I tell her like, yeah, you're strong, you can go to the Lord, he's on your side. And so my two year old princess daughter is like, I've got big muscles and anyway, it's a whole thing. We got some work to do because I've got my men and I've got my lady and I want to make sure we train them up right. So we've got to know our role that we're in and we've got to embrace it, however glamorous or not so glamorous it is. And one thing about knowing your role and what you're in, it'll save you a lot of heartache and a lot of trouble if you also realize the role that you're not in. And I'm going to read this because I want to make sure I get it right. We are not all created to lead in the same way, at the same levels, in the same areas. We're not all made to have the same amount of influence. And can I just say, especially for the young ones in here, can I just say that success is not about how much influence you have. It's about what you do with the influence that you've been given. So mama's in the room, I need you to know, If you have tiny disciples living in your home, you're their number one influencer, all right? It's your number one job, it's your number one priority, it's your number one thing in this season. Because Braden told told me one time, well it was actually a message, he preached a message and he said, you know, we could change the world in 20 years. In 20 years we could radically change the face of this world. We could influence media, we could influence you know, government, politics, education, all the things. In 20 years, we could change the world, me and you. And of course, I was sitting on the edge of my seat taking notes and all the things. He said, raise good kids. Raise good kids, kids that know the word, that know who they are in Christ Jesus, and you'll change the world. We gotta know our role. You know, I'm reminded of the story of James and John. There were two disciples that Jesus hand-selected. They were brothers. And they even got their role a little cloudy at times. And I think it's funny. I love this story. James and John, they went to their mom, and they asked their mom to go ask Jesus if, when they all went to the suite by and by, if they could sit at his right and his left hand, right and left-hand side. And the scripture says in Matthew that when the disciples found out that James and John had their mom ask Jesus if they could sit at his right and left hand side when they died, says that they were indignant. And I can just hear the disciples like, bro, know your role and shut your, you know, like, I'm sure they said that. That's probably where that phrase originated from. (laughs) They got it confused. But Jesus used this moment to remind them that their role wasn't about where they got to sit, it was who they got to serve. Matthew 20, 28 says, "'Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, "'but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many.'" So what's in front of you right now? Right now, what's in front of you? That's your role. And finally, you've gotta realize who you're with. I love this part so much, like, who you with? I almost titled the message like, who you with? But then it sounded like that when I said it, and so I was like, okay, we're just gonna keep it classy. The title of the message is a call to lead, okay? But we have such a conviction here about spiritual family. Chris Falleton, uh pastor at Bethel Church, he says it best. He says, um, when you find your people, you'll find your purpose, and that's so good. And we so believe that there. That's why we we encourage you to join a home church. And if you haven't joined one, getting one. I was talking to a couple in between services just today. And they were telling us about their home church. And people just kept coming in and kept coming in. And it was powerful. You You need your family. Because when you have your family, you'll find people who are for you. They will encourage you. They will celebrate you. And if they're real family... They'll believe they'll be able to speak the truth to you in love. And we need those things. See, I need the encouragement of other moms when my house is crazy town. I need the encouragement of my friends when I start doubting whether or not I can preach a message. We need each other. I need the encouragement of people who know the role that I'm in. And I start having that FOMO thing. <laughs> We have a prophetic workshop, we have this, that and the other going on and I have a sick kid at home and I don't get to go and I don't get to be a part of it. I don't get to be doing all this, that and the other because my kids have homework or whatever else. I need people to remind me that my kids are just as much kingdom as that prophetic workshop. They are just as much kingdom and God isn't going to blow past me. God isn't going to be like, well, Natalie's at home with her kids. I'm going to go do this awesome thing over here without her. I want to advance the kingdom without her. No, that's not what he's doing. Advancing the kingdom is right in my home. It's under my roof. We've got to know that role. You know, the disciples, um, they they knew who they were with too. They got to see the power that came when they were with Jesus. Right? Right? The disciples got to be with him. And I think about Peter. Y'all know Peter. He was Jesus' ride or die. He was always ready to do something. You know, Jesus is out on the water, and he's like, I'm coming too, you know. And he walks on water for a minute. When he was with Jesus, he had such faith, faith to walk on water. When he was with Jesus in in the Garden of Gethsemane and Judas Iscariot had just betrayed Jesus And the soldiers were coming to take him. Peter drew his sword and he slashed off a servant's ear, right? He was ready to go to war. Because he was with Jesus. And I find it interesting that just a few verses later, Jesus gets, or not Jesus, Peter gets confronted by a servant girl. And she says to him in Matthew 26, You were with Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And we know the rest of the story. He did it two more times until the rooster crowed. And the point I'm making is this. When Peter was with Jesus, he was fearless and full of faith. But in the absence of him, he cowered to a servant girl. And I want you to know that Jesus is with us always now, because after Jesus died and went to heaven, he sent someone back. He sent the Holy Spirit so that we could always have Jesus on the inside of us. We always have his spirit with us. See, when we're in worship, we're hyped up on the beautiful music, we're feeling his presence and our faith is high, And we're with our friends and our family. And we're like, yes, you're getting a miracle. You're getting a miracle. (laughs) Because we feel him. He's here. And when he's here, you're full of faith. And can I just say, that's how we're meant to live our lives. Full of faith. Absolutely filled up to the brim. Nothing is impossible with my God kind of faith. And when we have that, we lead like none other. I think it's cool, the story about Peter. You know, he figured it out. He always did. Jesus came back, restored him. He asked him three times like, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And I feel like he asked him that three times to redeem every time that Peter denied him. Cause this is how many times Jesus will come back to us. He qualifies us over and over again. But on the day of Pentecost, Peter, Now filled with the Holy Spirit, he preaches his first message. He led 3,000 people to the Lord. First message. And I want to read this to you. He recites the Psalm of King David in Acts 2.25. He says, I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave you have shown me the way of life and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Church this is who we're with this is who is with us and when he is in us and upon us we can lead like we were created to lead. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.